Welcome to the Ignite Movements Podcast, where we help leaders think beyond a one ministry mindset to a multiplication mindset. Over the course of the podcast, we have hit on all kinds of topics that have to do with church planning and disciple making and multiplying. Uh, We've talked about laying that disciple making foundation. We've talked about uh, how to prepare sermons. We've talked about uh, developing a leadership pipeline so that you're able to multiply. Uh, we've talked about changing what you care about, so you're not just as, just focused on getting decisions, but you're actually focused on making disciples. Uh, we've talked about crockpotting your church plant versus the big launch concept, all those things we've talked about. But one of the things that we haven't talked about is something that can really, really become a massive, massive issue, uh, and that is the subjects of personnel, hiring, firing, all those kinds of things. Uh, and, and so if you've been around churches any amount of time, you understand how volatile that whole area can become and what a mess it can make of an otherwise fantastic ministry. And so it really is a very, very, very important issue. And we, we've all seen it, right? We've seen uh, someone on the team is, is going in a different direction and, and, and it's getting everything off track or relationships on staff get messy, people aren't getting along, uh, or one person isn't pulling their weight uh, and that causes friction because other people are having to pick up the slack, uh, or you just you have issues that have been persistent uh, with with somebody, and you just have not been able to get them corrected. So what I want to do is hit on a few key points that I think are really crucial when it comes to this area of personnel issues in the church. The first thing is is just create a relational environment. Create a relational environment. Like it, it should be exciting to come to work. You should feel like you're you're growing a church with your best friends. Like it, it should feel that way. Not that you can't ever step in and, and tell somebody that they, they need to correct something. Uh, and that really is 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 kind of an old school mindset that um, you know I kind of saw a lot when I was coming uh, up in ministry in the in the beginning was people were saying, listen, you can't be friends with your staff. Because you may have to fire one, or you may have to call them down, or so like you just you have to kind of keep yourself separated, and uh, so but you you want to have that relational environment, and along with that is a team mindset, right? You 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 want to everyone to feel like they're a part of the team. Um, you know their voice matters at different levels. Like if you have a really big organization or or somewhat of a complex organization, you don't you don't want you know everybody to feel like that. They should be able to, like every single person should be able to, to talk into, um, you know, what's going to be preached on Sundays. Uh, that's just a select, you know, teaching team maybe that, that does that. But maybe we, before we have that meeting, we send, send out, you know, an email and say, hey, we'd love to get everybody's input on this. And, and so, you know, just as much as you can, a team mindset uh, that, that, uh, that people feel like that they really are an important part of the organization, and they do have opportunity to uh, to contribute and opportunity to, to for their voice to be heard. Um, also, uh, just you need to communicate that you're for your staff as part of that relational environment. That they know that you're for them. That even if you have to come to them and say, "Man, there, here's something I hate to have to talk to you about this," but man, like I, I really think for your sake, I want to see. A level of excellence in you, and I want to see you succeed. And I want, yeah. And so I, I just think that uh, it's really, really important that uh, that they understand you are for them. You're not just walking around trying to catch them doing something wrong, uh, so you can crack down on them. Uh, but even in those hard conversations, you're communicating, "I'm for you. I care about you. I wouldn't be having this conversation with you if I didn't care about you." And then also understanding that everybody brings something different to the table. And not everybody excels in every area. 
Uh, it, it doesn't mean that we don't have some expectations. Uh, there are some people who are amazing at making disciples, but they can't hand a receipt in. Like it just, it just that's a struggle for them. Uh, you need to figure out every which way you can to help that process go more smoothly for them, but they're still going to be required to hand in a receipt. But just understand, sometimes it's easy to get so caught up in these little details that, man, this person doesn't do this well, and and that makes them a bad employee. But then when you really step back, you say, wait a minute, the main thing I want them to do is I want them to, to lead this youth group. And we're, we're cranking out some of the greatest uh, young leaders out of our youth group that, that anybody does. I mean, you know, so, so is, is, this, is this the end of the world? It's, it's something we can manage. It's something we can work through. It's still an expectation. It's still an issue. Um, but it's a tension we're going to manage. Uh, and so, you know, you, you just have those kind of situations uh, where a person is just really good at one thing, but they're not so great at another thing. And so uh, just understanding that and even learning to leverage those things that that person is good at uh, for, the, for the good of the rest of the team uh, as well is, is really, really important. And that's, that's relational. That's not you're a cog in the wheel. That's not just, hey, um, if you can't do everything exactly how we expect it, we're going to toss you. Uh, and, and we'll talk a little bit about that here in just a second. But the second thing is just hire slowly. Hire slowly. First thing, create a re- relational environment. The second thing is hire slowly. One of the first things you want to make sure of is that this person is on the same page when it comes to philosophy of ministry, right? That you are crystal clear. If there are things that are do or die things for you as an organization, if, if doing small groups a certain way is just that is that is how it is going to be done. They need to understand why you do it that way, and they need to understand that that is not going to change. Uh, and so, whatever your you know your philosophies of ministry, we do our student groups a certain way. Like that's that's absolutely important. Like if that's your case, then make sure that that the, the new person coming in understands that that. You know, we want a lot of creativity. We want everybody to have a seat at the table. We want people to be able to speak into what's going on. But just understand that doesn't mean that every new person that comes into the organization gets to completely change the organization in some of these key foundational areas. And so philosophy of ministry is just absolutely important. Theology, absolutely important. There are just certain things uh, that that just aren't going to work. Uh, you know, uh, if you're uh, if you're a charismatic church and you're going to hire somebody who says, well, I you know I think that that um, uh, these uh, the sign gifts and, and those kind of I think they're, those are, those are extinct. Like like does that does that work? that's going to work? Like you say, oh, they're a great leader though. Yeah, but this is who your church is, right? If you're a church that believes in baptismal regeneration and and this person doesn't, or vice versa, uh, you know that you don't believe that and this person does, like that's that's a foundational issue. And I think sometimes, uh, you know, in, in a lot of good ways, like there's been so many theological arguments over small things, uh, I think we've tried to move past that, but we've moved too far past it in our culture. And we've just said, oh, you know, don't, don't worry about those things. We're just, we're all in this together. But in order to really work together, there are some basic things you got to be able to agree on, especially when it's foundational to who you are as a church. Another part of that is just biblical theology and, and biblical uh, worldview on cultural issues. Like, are there some key things that, like, if this person came in and was just all out, you know, for this or for that, like, is that going to be an issue, uh, you know, for you? And so thinking through those, that's becoming more and more of a, of a huge issue. More and more you'll see um, young uh, leaders who are kind of 
if you press them, they'll say, yeah, like abortion's wrong, but like, but I think we should allow it because X, Y, Z, because we're, we're not doing everything we should be doing in this area, that area, that area until we're doing everything we're supposed to be doing in that area. Then I'm okay with it. Is that, is that okay with your church? Is it, I mean, if they, if they espouse that somewhere, if they post that online, like, is that, is that going to be okay? Uh, so understanding those those issues are so so important. That brings up another issue: How do they handle themselves online? Uh, you know, just making sure that that uh, that they are that they're wise in how they're communicating online. That they're that they're not stirring up hornets' nests or offending people or just you know, just how do they handle themselves? Do they handle themselves like a Christian should handle themselves? Uh, in, uh, on their online interactions. And then character. Obviously, you want to make sure that, that, that they are a person that you can trust, that they are a person who truly loves the Lord, that they're a person who uh, is, is you know, genuine and has integrity. Uh, and so what is their character like? And, and, and what I would say about all of those things that really helps this is hire from within. You will find, uh, of the things that I just listed, I just listed like four things under Hire Slowly. Those things would take a year's worth of conversations to make sure that this person is solid on these things. How are you gonna how are you gonna do that in three weeks of interviewing somebody? You just you're just not. And so the more you can hire from within, it it gives you the opportunity to to really work through all these issues, to maybe disciple them in, in, in these issues, to say, hey, listen, let's talk about this. And then they say, well, I kind of think this. And let's say, okay, let's get in the Bible. And maybe their view changes. And they say, wow, I never realized that. I just kind of was laughing up what other people had said. Uh, and so it gives you an opportunity to really develop somebody and make sure you're on the same page. Um, one thing that I think is important about hiring from within is just to help them understand that church is going to change. That's a huge issue. And sometimes you, you get the perfect person ready, but when all of a sudden they step into the role and their church experience is wrecked because they're now on a staff and they're not just showing up as a volunteer alongside everybody else. Everybody's looking to them as the person responsible. All of a sudden, you know, showing up to church on Sunday morning becomes work. And it can be very disillusioned. Uh, you can disillusion them very quickly. Uh, when they begin to experience that. So making sure they understand that as well. The third thing would just be develop aggressively. Uh, be intentional to invest in the competency and, competency and character needed to succeed. And this is where I feel like for us as an organization, we started with the whole relational mindset. And, 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 and so a lot of leadership development and things like that rubbed off, but it wasn't intentional. Like we, we literally just did life with people around us as we did ministry and those people developed into staff members and we spun off and they, they helped, you know, started the campuses. But we weren't at like pinpoint laser focus, you know, on what actually needs to be developed and developing them. And that's something that we have really, really, really poured a lot of time into uh, over, the last, over the last couple of years now. Uh, and so just be intentional. Uh, how, what, what competency and what character is needed to be successful in what this person is going to be doing for you and that you have an intentional plan for pouring that into them. Uh, another thing when it comes to developing aggressively is, is just feedback, have an opportunity for feedback. And one of the things that we started is we started doing a uh, 360 review uh, every other year uh, in the summertime. So it's kind of away from when we do our annual reviews that really have to do with your job performance and things like that and raises. Uh, and so 
This just gives everybody in the organization an opportunity to hear from people all around them, the people that volunteer in their ministries, the people who work alongside of them, the people who um, maybe even lead another campus but get to observe some of what they do. And so uh, it's a great way to, to, to get feedback, to hear back about, this is how I'm doing, this, this and, 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 it, and it's, you know, it's done in such a way that we say, hey, like, you're here to help this person. You're not here to criticize the person, tear the person down. You're here to to help them get better. And this person understands that. The, the only reason these people would take the time to fill this out is to help them get better. So a lot of pretty direct things are able to be said in those contexts because it has nothing to do with your salary, nothing to do with your raise. It has everything to do with just you getting better. And uh, so people uh, tend to appreciate that. Still, annual valuations, obviously, is an important part. Uh, of of developing somebody, um, you know that does kind of feel like more the gotcha model. You know, like okay, now I'm going to sit down and tell you what you did wrong. Uh, but again, nothing should be showing up there that you haven't probably already had conversations about throughout the year. Uh, but it does. It is a formal system, and sometimes we cheat on systems. We don't have systems, uh, but those systems can be very very important, especially when it comes down to when things start to go bad. Uh, that you kind of have a record of, yeah, we've been talking about this for a while now, or we, you know, I, we've got record that I, I, you know, I told this person about that. So, um, so that's important. But then also goals, and and for us, one of the things that that we have kind of shifted is we've moved from just setting goals every year uh, that were, you know, they were hopefully tied into what the campus needed or what the overall church needed. Um, but still, they they were what, what we kind of fell into was every year you had to come up with different goals. It couldn't be the same as last year, uh, even though what you came up with last year was kind of above and beyond your job description. But then, if it went well, then it kind of became a part of your job description. Like, why would you stop doing something that's really helping your ministry? So, so we we just kind of were you know adding more and more and more stuff to our job descriptions, and those things didn't count the next year for goals and that kind of thing. And so. What we moved over to is uh, The Four Disciplines of Execution, which is a fantastic book. I encourage you to get it. Uh, but uh, but what, what they talk about is they, they talk about this concept that instead of looking at lag measures, instead of saying, well, my goal is that at the end of the year, we would be, we'd have 20% more volunteers. The question is, what are the lead measures? What are the things that lead into making that happen? And so therefore, what we're going to do is uh, and we'll probably do a whole podcast actually on the four disciplines of execution because it's so great. Uh, so what are the habits? What are the things that if I did every single week would lead to 20% more volunteers? So those are the things we measure. Those are the things every single week that we check off and we say, yes, I, I did that. And and you may be wrong. At the end of the year, it may not lead to 20% more volunteers. And that's, you know, you reevaluate, you go back at it, but you still met your goal. Um, and so that's how we set them now. And so uh, we look at, first of all, what's our wildly important goal? They talk about that in the book. And so we look at that for organization. We look at that for, for the campus. And, and we look at that for the individual ministry. And the wildly important goal is just if, if, if we could pull this off, it would drastically change uh, you know, and revolutionize what's happening in our ministry. So, so what is that big thing? What's the big thing that absolutely needs to change, needs to be fixed, needs to move forward? Uh, and then the question is, is not at the end of the year, did we move forward? That's a lag measure. But what are the things we think will help us take the steps in that direction? Then we set those as our goals. And and so, you know, for me, um, one year, I, I just felt like that our original campus uh, had mostly burnout founders. And then we had uh, consumers and we had sent out to start other churches, all of our new fired up 
contributors and and uh, you know people who were uh, were missional. Uh, and so our church, our, the original campus that started with the whole vision of multiplying, and they were kind of burnt out. Like they they really weren't interested in moving forward, reaching out. Like and, and that was sad. So. Uh, so I asked myself, okay, that's the big thing that needs to change at this campus. So what are some things we can do? And so we asked people at the first of the year to write down one name for his name. Who do you want to see God reach and make a difference in their lives this year? And actually, we ended up getting a ton of response for that. And every single week, I would contact three of those people and say, hey, what's going on with your friend that you mentioned? Have you had a chance to have any conversations with them? Uh, where do you think they are spiritually? How can I help pray for them? How, how can I help coach you to have better conversations with them? And it was it was amazing. But every single week, I'd write in that box for that week three. I had three, I had three contacts about these issues. And sometimes I didn't hear back from people, uh, but I had a ton of good, great conversations. So uh, setting those goals. And then also, this is something that nobody else is talking about, and it kind of it kind of irritates me, but define what outside voices um, fit with who you are as a church and which ones don't quite fit. This is, I, when you're developing people, listen, here's the deal. When I started in ministry, the, the way that it worked, some, some of you are not going to believe this, the way that it worked was that the leadership training that we had was the best thing you could do is you could sign up for the John Maxwell Leadership um, uh, Tape Club tape club, cassette tape club. And they would send you a cassette tape to the senior pastor. The senior pastor would then listen to the cassette tape. And if it was helpful and he thought it was good and he thought it was something the rest of the staff needed to hear, then we would all sit around and we'd listen to it. If it wasn't, he'd just throw it in the trash. Or if he thought, you know, for some churches, that's a great idea. I don't want our church anywhere near what John Maxwell just said there. That's going to put ideas in their head that is not who we are. Throw it in the trash. It's not that way anymore. All of your staff members are listening to a plethora of other voices that are saying, this is how you do ministry, this is how you do ministry, this is how you do ministry, and you absolutely have to define, this is who we are, this is, these are the main, like when it comes to groups, this is who we listen to. Like we feel like this this most identifies with who we are, and so any kind of training or any kind of leadership, you know, development that comes from them on that, that's that's who we love to listen to. When it comes to preaching style, this is who we love to listen to. When it comes to, um, you know, first impressions ministry, this is who we love to listen to. Uh, just right on that. When it comes to student ministry philosophy, this is who we really look to. Uh, it's important to actually sit down and define those things, and uh, and so. Uh, very, very important to, to talk through that because it can cause massive problems in your church when one of your staff members all of a sudden locks onto somebody else who is kind of close, but actually is really a different direction than what your church is. And the next thing you know, you've got all this tension of somebody saying, I want this church to become something it's not. And you're looking saying, when you got hired here, you knew what we were, right? And so it becomes very, very uncomfortable. So when it comes to developing people, it's great that everybody's listening to as many things as they can listen to. Just make sure they understand how they should filter it uh, through uh, the philosophies, the values of, of your church. The fourth thing is clearly define roles. Clearly define roles. That Hey, this is this is what you do. This is what you do. Um, and, and, you know, at times is saying, hey, look, I'm looking for your input, but this is my decision. I'm look, we're, we're, we're trying to gather input from lots of people. Again, that teamwork kind of mindset, but just understand and everybody be okay with the final decision is going to be made by this group of people. Uh, we just had sermon planning uh, for 2022, and uh, we had a lot of people in the room. 
but we said up front, we want to hear from everybody. There's a reason that we have student ministry and, and, and other uh, people represented here in the room, uh, some worship leaders in the room as well. There, there's a reason for that. But understand that these campus pastors have to teach this stuff. And so we're going to take input from everybody, but the campus pastors will ultimately decide uh, what ends up going on the schedule for 2022. Uh, same thing with finances. You know, we'll say, hey, listen, uh, we want the input of the leadership team when it comes to developing the budget, but just understand uh, that uh, you know our our CFO, like that person, it, ultimately he'll he'll set the budget. He'll take everything into consideration and he'll set the budget. Um, and then maybe the executive team will, will have some final say on that as well. But but not everybody's going to be able to speak in to everything. And so it really is kind of important for people to understand their roles. And I'll tell you this, it really gets uncomfortable when you start as kind of a little small mom and pop um, uh, church plant. And then you start to grow because people who had a seat at the table for certain things will no longer have a seat at the table for those things. And those conversations just need to be had. In fact, maybe just early on, you need to start saying, just understand that things will shift, things will change. Like as, 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 as you know, things grow, if you're the senior leader of the organization, you're not going to be able to sit down with, uh, you know, the, and, and necessarily be intentional about spending a ton of time with the student pastor of the third campus. That's probably not going to happen. Uh, I mean, you're going to love that person. You're going to see that person around and, uh, you know, when you have an opportunity, you're going to encourage them. And, you know, there's there's a lot of things. But as far as like who you can when we talk about leadership pipeline, you you don't have time probably to pour into more than four or five people and really do a great job of it. Uh, and so it's that's where clearly defining roles is going to become extremely important. And talking about that, that process is coming and that someday that's going to happen is something that honestly you should probably do early. Uh, fifth thing is this. uh this and this is the uncomfortable part help those who aren't getting it uh getting who you are what you do help them find the right place for them and again you're for them right you're for them so you've been having conversations it's been clear that you're not on the same page um and so you know helping that person transition out and um uh you know they say hire slowly fire quickly um you know i i tend to be like yes Make the decision uh, more quickly, but at the same time, like try to help that person and do what's best for that person throughout the process as well. Uh, there, there may be a time where the person just absolutely the way that they're reacting to the conversations you're having is not good, and it needs to be a clean out your desk, uh, leave the premises kind of thing. But uh, I think um, as as much as as much as we can, uh, you know, trying to really really help that person get on to to a great place. Uh, giving them some some warning that hey, listen, if things don't change, it looks like your time here is going to be winding down. Like if if you need me to do anything as far as over the next three months that I'm giving you to send recommendation letters or you know whatever, because a lot of times it's easier to find a job from a job. Uh, so you know, a lot of people would disagree with me on that. A lot of people tend to be more get them out the door. Uh, but again, if they are, if they if they can't be trusted and they are starting to cause disunity, then then you may have to take some some different measures. Uh, the last thing I just want to point out is multi-campus staff. This is so important to just foresee this, understand this, and deal with this up front. But help everyone understand that everything is not always going to go their way. But we are one big team. When you have multiple campuses, it's very easy for people to get siloed. Uh, you already have that within, say, a large staff at one church where the youth ministry is totally different and siloed from everything else. 
but it, it happens even more when you're totally at a different location. Uh, and so just helping everybody understand, like, yeah, you, you know, if you struggle with the with the new members class we use or the partnership class we use, that's great. Bring that to the to the you know the leadership team or bring that to uh, the, the campus pastors when they meet, and we're going to look at that. And maybe we'll sit down and we'll, we'll revamp the whole thing. It could be like we want we want your input. We want to know what's working, what's not working. So you know, maybe and probably on our on our staff, we probably would sit down and and kind of rewrite it, rethink about it, rethink it, and uh, and produce something new that we that we mostly all like. But it could be actually that everybody else looks and goes, no, like I I see what you're wanting to change to, and I don't like it. And you may not get your way. And you think about it, if you're in one big, large church, you typically would be a little bit more like, oh, okay, well, you know, well, I didn't get my way on that, but this is where I work, and this is the overall, this is the overall, um, you know, uh, staff, and we all work together, and, and is this that big of a deal? Is this such a big deal that I would quit my job or leave, leave the staff over it? And most of the time, no, the answer is no. But there's something about when you have multiple campuses where it gets really frustrating when something doesn't go your way. Uh, and so uh, just helping everybody understand we are one big team. We still make decisions together. That issue of uh, being able to work together at some point when people begin to go in all kinds of different directions on their own and they don't want to work together as a team and submit to what everybody else uh, has decided even though it didn't quite go their way, when that kind of thing starts happening, you start losing the ability to work together because you can't have a whole bunch of new members classes printed because this one person's doing their own thing. You, you can't have certain t-shirts printed because this one campus doesn't want them. Uh, you, you know, and so all kinds of issues come up. Plus you lose some of that branding power, which again, I know that's, that's, people get all uptight about the word branding and, and it's worldly and you know that kind of thing. But all it is is really just saying when, when a Northridge campus comes to your area, you know what you're getting. And, uh, and so uh, you lose some of that when, when people don't understand that, the value of staying together, sticking together, that, that if we're together on something, even if I don't love it, it's better than if we're separate. And that's a very, very key part. So um, on the one hand, as we wrap up, I, I think we need to handle personnel issues more like a secular company in, in some ways. Uh, staff need to understand that we have real expectations. Uh, we're not going to give all fives on evaluations, and that's not unchristian for us uh, to, uh, to not do that. Uh, it's not unchristian for us to expect somebody to show up to work on time, even though their spouse could still use some more help uh, in, in the morning with, uh, with the kids or you know whatever. Um, it, it's a real job, right? However, on the other hand, we are a community. And even a staff member that is doing a terrible job as far as their performance, they still have relationships inside the church. And if you have to part ways, you will lose people who will never understand. They'll just say, man, I just, there's just no way. There's, I just don't understand how you could fire a great person like this person. And let me just say this. You can't bash their character. You, you don't get to stand in front of a group of people and say, let me tell you why this person was such a terrible employee. You can't do that. But what you can do is you can assure them that you followed a process of evaluating and notifying them that there were problems and that they had every opportunity to turn things around and that you love them, you want what's best for them, and, and that you'll continue to do everything you can to help that person be successful. And so uh, you can at least do that. And so a lot of times when people understand a great process has been followed, it kind of diffuses some of the anger and some of the frustration. 
Um, a combination of great relationships and great systems will keep your staff drama to a minimum. But um, you know, as long as you're working with people, there's going to be some. There always will be some, and that's where handling it biblically is important. Forgive, do everything you can to help those person, that person, um, root for them, speak well of them, no matter what they do. Uh, your church uh, can tell when they're led by people who are together and excited to work with each other, and it makes a huge difference. So thanks so much for joining us. Uh, if you have missed any past episodes, I'd encourage you to go back and check those out. As always, we'd love to hear from you uh, in terms of topics that you would love to hear uh, discussed. And uh, if you find the content helpful, I hope that you'll like, subscribe, and share.